Exactly. <laughs> so. Who the devil are you? Don't panic. Just come up with a good story. My name is Mr. Burns. Excellent. Hi there, friendarinos, and welcome to the second episode. Oh my goodness, that was so hard to do to keep in tune. Not that that was in tune, but it was hard to listen to the theme song and then try to sing that. So, yeah. Whew. Anyway, hi. It's your bestest pal, Perry, back with another delightfully wonderful episode of Hello, Mr. Burns, your favorite podcast about The Simpsons that might help you win pub trivia. I must die! I love you, Dad! Dirty trick. Okay, I'm not going to kill you, but I'm going to tell you three things that are going to haunt you for the rest of your days. You ruined your father, you crippled your family, and baldness is hereditary! It is! For today's episode, we're going to be tackling episode two of season two of The Simpsons. So this episode is actually called Simpson and Delilah. So that explains why I did that horrible rendition of the song at the start of the episode. I do apologize for that. To make it up to you, uh, we're going to have a lot of fun this episode. We're actually going to be covering the very first ever man-on-man kiss to be aired on TV. Ooh. Uh, We're going to talk about the biblical story, Samson Delilah, and how throughout history we've really associated power with hair. And at the end, we're going to attempt to pin down Mr. Burns' exact age. That's right. I'm going to try and do maths. You might notice that my voice is still a little funky, or um, maybe it's always been funky. I'm not sure. I definitely didn't have this jazz voice beforehand, but um, let's just enjoy it while we can. So guys, hold on to your hat. Because we're about to dig into episode two, season two, Simpson and Delilah. Meet me in the alley in 15 minutes. Come alone. We begin the episode with Homer seeing a commercial for a hair restorer called Demoxinel. I used to think that losing my hair was as inevitable as the tides. Then I found out about Demoxinel, the new miracle breakthrough in hair regrowth. (gasps) Miracle breakthrough? There's been a miracle breakthrough? Um, he does visit a doctor who sells him Demoxinil, but learns that it costs around $1,000. At work, Lenny suggests that Homer pay for Demoxinil through the company's health plan. It just dawned on me that all Lenny does is talk about dental plan, health plan. Anyway, so Homer arranges to get the Demoxinil through a really shady deal in an alley. He applies the restorer to his head, and the next morning, Homer wakes up with luscious locks and a new lust for life. Meanwhile, Mr. Burns is looking for a token employee to promote. He spots Homer's glorious mop of hair and immediately promotes him. Homer begins a search for a good secretary and becomes entranced by this man named Carl. Carl actually becomes kind of like a mentor for Homer. We're not talking about Carl like Lenny and Carl. This is Carl with a K. You don't belong here. Huh? You don't belong here. You're a fraud and a phony, and it's only a matter of time until they find you out. (gasps) Who told you? You did. You told me with the way you slump your shoulders, the the way you talk into your chest, the way you smother yourself in bargain basement lime green polyester. I want you to say to yourself, I deserve this. I love it. I am nature's greatest miracle. Go ahead, say it. I I Trust me, Homer. I Take a step and say it. I deserve this. Louder. I deserve this. Shout it. I am nature's greatest miracle! I'll need three weeks vacation and moving expenses. You got it, buddy! Let's go shopping. So Carl with a K helps to improve his wardrobe 
and even arranges for roses and a singing telegram when Homer forgets Marge's wedding anniversary. I love you, Homer. I love you, Carl. Marge. At the power plant's board meeting, Homer makes a suggestion to improve the low productivity in the plant and decrease the record high worker accident rate. Give the people more tartar sauce when they have fish sticks every Tuesday. Mr. Burns approves Homer's proposal, and accidents do decrease while productivity increases. However, Smithers observes that the decrease in accidents actually correlates with the amount of accidents caused by Homer himself, and the productivity increase matches the one that occurred the last time Homer went on holiday. Burns, however, is impressed with Homer's efforts and gives him the key to the executive washroom. Smithers starts to get a serious case of the green-eyed monster. He starts snooping through Homer's forms and finds the creatively, I'm doing that little quotes, creatively filled out medical insurance form. On the form, the charge for the demoxinil has been written as to keep brain from freezing. Shortly afterwards, Burns asks Homer to give a speech to the executives. Smithers tries to confront Homer and Carl jumps in heroically to take the fall. Carl is now fired and Homer has to give the big speech on his own. Well, then you're fired, whoever you are. He is a thousand dollars. When he gets home, he bursts in on Bart, touching the demoxinil bottle. Bart drops a bottle, and Homer is at his lowest point. He's rubbing his head on the floor, trying to get some of the lotion on his head. Unfortunately, the next morning he wakes up, and it's the morning of the big meeting, and he is as bald as an egg. Before the meeting... Carl appears with a prepared speech for Homer to deliver. He reassures Homer that all of his accomplishments were due to his will and effort and not because he had a full head of hair. What are you doing here? I just came to say goodbye to the gals in the typing pool. Yeah, well, thanks for the speech, Carl, but I can't give it. Look at me. I guess I haven't taught you anything. What do you mean? Don't you see the tartar sauce, the bathroom key, drying your boss's hands? You did it all. It was never the hair. You did it because you believed you could and you still can. No, I can't. I'm just a big fool. Oh, no, you're not. How do you know? Because my mother taught me never to kiss a fool. Carl. Now go get him, tiger. Carl then gives him a little swift pat on the bottom and full of encouragement, Homer heads out to give his speech. Despite the fact that Homer has a brilliant speech, which was written by Carl, discussing the art of Japanese self-management, no one listens to him. In fact, one executive remarks, the nerve of a bald man to think that he can run a power plant, which is ironic considering that Mr. Burns is also bald. By the end of the speech, the entire audience has walked out. In Burns's office, Homer's pretty sure he's about to be fired. However, Mr. Burns shows Homer something. It's a scrapbook of his youth when he had long, blonde, curly hair. Oh, I was big man on campus until my senior year when I became as bald as a plucked chicken. The episode finishes with Marge cuddling a distraught Homer singing, You are so beautiful to me. Can't you see? You're everything that I hope for. I'm everything you need. You are so beautiful to me. The end. The character Carl with a K was played by openly gay actor Harvey Firestein. So you might not know Harvey Firestein by name or even by face, but um, he's a really interesting guy. Groening had originally intended Carl to look like Firestein, 
who says that he objected to the idea because he felt, and I quote, he doesn't look how a gay person's supposed to look. Feierstein suggested that the character be made blonde, tall, gorgeous, and skinny, and given a beautiful place to live. So Feierstein's best known for his theatre work in the Torch Song trilogy, Hairspray, and his iconic roles in the movie Mrs. Doubtfire, Independence Day, and my personal favourite, where I instantly recognised him from, as the voice of Yao in Mulan. And I am Yao, King of the Rock, and there's nothing you girls can do about it. Brilliant stuff, right? So the fantastic Harvey Firestein has a few historic feathers in his cap. When he was first cast as an openly gay fashion designer in the short-lived sitcom Daddy's Girls in 1994, he became the first gay actor to play an openly gay character in a series in American television history. 1994, by the way, not that, not that long ago. Oh my God, actually, it was that long ago. Holy moly. Oh, don't mind me just having an existential crisis. So the other historical accolade that Feierstein has occurs in this episode when he kisses Homer on the mouth and pats him on the bum before Homer goes out and gives his speech. So the kiss that he gives Homer and the pat on the bum bum was the first ever screening of a man kissing a man ever to be aired on US television. The first gay kiss between two real people wouldn't occur for almost a decade later on the now famous 1998 Dawson's Creek episode. So the Dawson's Creek episode was between two characters, one a high schooler named Jack McPhee, played by Kerr Smith, and college heartthrob Ethan, who was played by Adam Kaufman. In the episode, Jack confesses his love for Ethan in a very moving episode titled True Love. The scene is very emotional, very 90s, and a little bit awkward. Um, You can actually find it on YouTube. Jack spots Ethan sitting at a table in the, I guess in the quad, they call it. In the garden, I'm not sure. There's a lot of greenery. Anyway, so Ethan's sitting at a table in the middle of a green area with another guy. There's soft, romantic 90s rock playing. Jack storms over. The music reaches a crescendo. And when he approaches Ethan, Ethan stands up and goes to Jack. Hey. Hey. Uh, What are you doing here? I I just drove a really long way to to tell you... um, Jack, no. Uh, Look, I know there's people around, but who cares, right? I mean, that's the whole point. I finally have the courage to do this. Jack, this is Brad. Is in your ex-boyfriend, Brad? Uh, No. As in his boyfriend, Brad. I think I'm going to let you two talk this one out. Wasn't 90s TV just brilliant? Interestingly, the first lesbian kiss to be aired on TV was in 1991 on a TV show called L.A. Law. It was a kiss between the characters C.J. Lamb, played by Amanda Donahoe, and Abby, played by Michelle Green. So just lastly on this, what really surprised me was finding out when the first ever man-on-man kiss was aired in cinema. Um, And it surprised me because it was actually back in 1927. It was in this movie called Wings. So it was a silent film, and if you remember back to season one of this podcast, the first ever talking picture was also in 1927, but it was actually released two months later. So Wings has kind of cemented its place in history for a number of reasons. Firstly, it was the first widely released film to show nudity. Ooh. 
Um, but it's not that exciting nudity. It's just that in the enlistment office, you can see nude men in the background getting their physical exam. And for a split second, you can see their bottoms. The lead actress, Clara Gordon Bow, Bow or Bow, I'm not sure. But um, anyway, so, so Clara actually appears topless for a second. It's during a scene in Paris where the police burst in when she's changing. It's a very quick thing, but um, yeah, it's there. Clara, oh yeah, also this is such a tangent, but I cannot leave this out because I found this so fascinating. So this lovely lady shot to global fame in the roaring 20s as a sex symbol. This was after starring in a movie called It. Um, It was not about clowns. It's called It. So the fame from this film earned her the nickname The It Girl or It Girl, which is where we get the phrase today. You know, if someone's an It Girl, it's pretty cool, huh? Anyway, so back to Wings. There's a famous Café de Paris scene where the camera was attached to a boom mic extension. You do see this scene on Reddit a lot. Um, I might actually post this on Instagram so you guys can see it. But during this extended scene, you'll see a lesbian couple canoodling in the corner. Okay, and finally, the man-on-man kiss occurs during one of the character Dave's death scene. So Jack, who is the lead, which is funny because Jack was also the lead in Dawson's Creek. I wonder if there's a connection. Anyway, Jack the lead kisses him firmly on the mouth when he's on his deathbed. Some critics argue that this is not, um, this was not LGBT history male-male kiss. It's more like a fraternal kiss, but I guess that depends on how you want to interpret it. And many historians do say that this was the first ever instance. Dead man coming through. The episode's name is a play on the biblical story of Samson, an Israelite judge with superhuman strength. All of his power was lost when his long hair was cut, similar to what happens with Homer when he loses all his hair. In the Bible, Delilah is Samson's lover. Hey there, Delilah, what's... Oh my gosh, that's going to be stuck in my head forever. By the way, did you know what the um, Hey There, Delilah song... The guy who wrote the song never dated Delilah. Um, They never even, like, they didn't have a thing at all. And it actually quite creeped her out that he wrote this entire love song about her. So, yeah, have a look at that. It makes the song a little bit more sinister. Anyway, so back to the Bible. Delilah is Samson's lover who betrays him by ordering a servant to cut his hair in his sleep. And she turns him over to the Philistine lords. They gouge out his eyes and force him to grind grain in a mill at Gaza. While there, his hair slowly starts to grow back again. When the soldiers come to take Samson back to their temple of Dagon, uh, Samson asks to rest against one of the support pillars. After they grant him permission, he leans against the pillar, he prays to God, and miraculously recovers his strength, allowing him to pull down the columns, collapsing the temple, and killing everyone, including himself. Very, very dramatic story. Throughout history, Humans have long associated power with hair. For example, in Japanese culture, there's this man bun hairstyle that samurai used to wear to help keep their helmets in place. It actually became kind of like a status symbol in Japanese society. You can see the same hairstyle on sumo wrestlers. Um, and it's kind of this ritualistic thing where a sumo wrestler will cut off their man bun when they retire from the sport. Traditionally, their coach is the one who does the final chop. It's a very emotional ceremony. Native American culture views hair as an extension of the soul. Men and women will continue to grow their hair throughout their life, and they'll only cut their hair as a way of showing shame, such as losing in battle, or when they're in mourning. Even now in Native American culture, uh, cutting one's hair is seen as a bow to Western influences. And unfortunately, across the US, 
There are even today cases of hate crimes where Native Americans are having their hair forcibly cut. This is happening a lot in prisons and even in schoolyards, which is horrible. In Victorian Britain, um, hair was used in mourning jewelry. So whenever you had a family member or a loved one die, you'd often keep locks of their hair. Um, and that hair would be incorporated into jewelry and accessories, which is a little bit creepy. So objects containing the hair of the deceased were designed to be worn with pride. Um, and you can find some really creepy photos such as like a belt made entirely of hair or, um, which is a little bit more romantic is the hair inside the locket. Either way, I still find it a bit of a creepy concept. So towards the end of the episode, when Mr. Burns is having a heart to heart with Homer, he confesses to Homer that he is... Simpson, how old do you think I am? I don't know. 102? I'm only 81. 81 years old. Hmm. So later on in this same season, Mr. Burns confesses that he's actually 104. So which is it, Mr. Burns? 81 or 104? Hmm. Hmm. I don't think it's like that cute thing where, like, as I got older... I often forgot what age I was purely because I was just thinking about the next birthday. So, you know, when I was 25, I was like, okay, in June, I'm going to be 26. So someone would ask me and my brain would have some sort of spasm and be like, are we 25 or 26 yet? I don't know. So Mr. Burns's age has become a bit of a running joke for the Simpsons. He's often referred to as Springfield's oldest resident. In other episodes, there's this great moment where he instructs a postal clerk to send a telegram to the Prussian consulate in Siam via autogyro. For your information, the Kingdom of Prussia dissolved in November 1918. Prussia was basically this unification of certain areas of Germany, with its capital being Berlin. Siam, of course, is the old name for Thailand, which was renamed in 1939. And lastly, an autogyro, also known as a gyroplane, is kind of like this helicopter-looking craft. Um, it has a giant propeller on the top, and then this like little silly engine at the back that just kind of putters it along. I have a feeling that there's no engine in the propeller and something, something physics gives them lift. But honestly, I might be completely wrong. And um, I don't know. I didn't bother reading into it because it started talking about maths and my brain tends to fuse out when that happens. Anyway, so according to ScreenRant.com, Mr. Burns was born in 1915, making him 107 years old this year. And on that very mathematical note... We come to the end of another episode of Hello, Mr. Burns, and to the end of our review of episode two, season two of The Simpsons. What I've been really excited about, which I wanted to share you guys, is the next episode of The Chopping Block. Oh, I'm so excited. So the next episode we're going to be doing is the first ever episode of the Treehouse of Horror series. Yes, that's right. We're getting spooky, guys. And for this episode, we are going to be getting in one of my favorite podcast hosts ever. It is the very spooky, the very sassy, the always wonderful co-host of the Spooky Gals podcast, Jasmine. How amazing is that? Oh, I'm so excited. Anyway, so my name is Perry. Thank you so much for listening. And so concludes our tale. Good night and keep watching the skis. Uh, skies.